Welcome back to Limbach Unlocked. Paleontology is the scientific branch concerned with fossil animals and plants. Paleontologists do a lot of things, but by far one of the coolest is preserving and breathing life back into what once was. We have a paleontologist on our show today. Okay, not a real one per se, but someone whose job it is to preserve and maintain. Jody Riley, Limbox Vice President of Healthcare, leads our program management offering. Yes, you heard me. Not project management, program management. This service preserves and maintains the cause of our healthcare owners. How, you ask? Well, keep listening to find out. I'm your host, Katie Mystery. Let's get started, shall we? Jody, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here. Me too. So let's start with your own history with this company and with healthcare in general, because that's, I'm sure, uh, an illustrious past that you have, and we'd love to hear it. Sure. Uh, I'm going to take you back to 1991. Oh boy, back in time. Here we go. Uh, yeah. So I went to school in LA and that's not to be confused with California. That's lower Alabama. Okay. <laughs> I went to, that's good to know. Went to Auburn, Auburn University. And uh, when I got to Auburn, I had uh, quickly kind of discerned that I wanted to uh, get into design, construction, architecture, project management, those types of things. I had family that uh, that had worked in the industry and uh, really enjoyed it. And I liked, uh, just like the opportunities that presented. So so went to Auburn. Uh, when I got out of school, I went to work for, um, well, actually I had a couple opportunities to go at a different, couple of different markets, but Nashville was home for me. And, um, and, and, and Nashville, the, one of the, obviously the two, Two big things that people know Nashville for is obviously the country music industry, mm-hmm. but really what moves the needle in town forever has been healthcare. It's wow. I think long since I think I want to say at some point it was seven of the top ten for-profit healthcare companies in America were all based there. So I really knew the, there'd be plenty of opportunities. So it ended up working for uh, a general contractor, uh, McDevitt Street, McDevitt Street Bovis actually. Um, and in a small twist of fate, at that time, the CEO was one, uh, none other than Charlie Bacon. Um, oh now I'd love to say Charlie and I were great friends, but no, I was uh, right out of school and he probably didn't know my name and I wouldn't expect him to with such a yeah. large organization. But with, um, at, at McDivitt Street, we really did a lot of work for HCA, a, a large, large for-profit healthcare company here in Nashville. Um, but after I had worked there a couple of years, I kind of got the itch to, to see what other opportunities uh, were out there and actually had the opportunity and interviewed with a couple of companies like HCA, LifePoint and Community Health Systems and actually ended up moving to the owner side of the business, direct owner side of the business, managing projects for them internally as, as an owner's program manager, owner's rep, you know, basically an in-house person. Um, worked at CHS managing about 32 to 35 hospitals all over the country, a lot in Texas, but a lot elsewhere as well. 
and um, really just enjoyed the, the job. It was fantastic, had a great boss, moved um, the company, uh, CHS spun out 40 of their hospitals in uh, about six years ago. So for those listening, it's that would have been 2016, maybe 2015-ish, 2016-ish. And um, I had the opportunity to lead, to go to Quorum to manage the entire facilities management department. So that's real wow. estate, facilities management, infrastructure, compliance, design and construction. It was really the whole gamut um, outside of just design and construction. So from an opportunity standpoint, it was really, it was really excellent. Um, so the good news is that I had a great opportunity. I learned a lot of things in my five to six years. The bad news is that quorum really wasn't structured to succeed. Um, now they're still in business. They did restructure and I wish them nothing but the best. Still friends with uh, a lot of their folks. But for me, uh, I just didn't really want to double down and spend another five to six years there. And Limbach came calling and, uh, they really wanted me to get involved in a, the vertical, they, I think they were really pushing for me to do sales and um, which I felt like I could do. I uh, certainly knew plenty of people to connect them to, but I told them where my passion was, was really managing projects from program management level. Uh, Limbach did not provide that service, um, but they were really gung ho about the opportunity and the prospects of it. And, gave me the green light to come aboard and, um, and, and, and build a service. So, and they've been, Libbox has been fantastic. It's been one year, almost one year to the day, about a year and a week. Or wow. Two. Well, congrats. I appreciate that. It sounds like, you know, throughout your career, it really has expanded. You know, sometimes you see a, a focusing and there certainly is a narrowing and a focusing in what you're doing now. But it's the opportunities were expansive. I mean, it gave you such a such a robust resume. It, certainly. I mean, when I when I decided to go to Quorum, I, I, I kind of envisioned that I was going to be able to 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 really get involved in the minutia of a lot of different service lines with, mm-hmm. within the umbrella of facilities management. And so Limbach has really kind of unlocked a whole nother potential there. Um, of what we can do and grow from a program management standpoint. I mean, it could yes. be, I mean, we can get into it obviously a little later, but there's certainly a wide array of, of offerings that a program manager has and can offer its clients. Yes. Yeah. And, and you're right. We will talk about program management. That's what our show is all about today. But I have to ask um, before we get there, because it's kind of obvious to me that you started with this focus on healthcare, and now you're definitely focused on healthcare. And there was some wiggle room in between all of that. But why are you passionate about staying in healthcare as a business focus? What's the what's the draw? Well, I would say first of all, it. Any, I think anyone that meets me probably knows I'm passionate about just about everything. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little boisterous. But um, for me, from a healthcare passion, it is, it's really all rooted in Nashville, Tennessee. So Nashville is my home. As I alluded earlier, um, you know, healthcare has always moved the needle from a, uh, from a business perspective in town. And, you know, when I graduated, I had opportunities across the Southeast, Atlanta, Orlando, Charlotte, 
Birmingham, Nashville, were all cities that I was, was looking to move to, all great towns, vibrant, had plenty to offer. And um, But I remember, you know, Orlando, very based in the, the, uh, the industry, like the Disney's, the uh, uh, the word I'm, I'm, I'm eluding me, but, you know, the large complexes that, that service, you know, entertainment. And then right. you had Birmingham and places that would do commercial. And so every pocket kind of had an industry. And I, yeah, I didn't really know this at the time, but it was really, uh, it was explained to me that healthcare is is less cyclical from a from a building perspective than other markets. Residential, you'll see big booms and busts. Commercial, you'll see big booms and busts. You know, people stop traveling and going on vacations when when the market turns, but they don't stop going to the to the hospital. You know, right. when, when, when there's a recession, so you don't have the big booms and busts, but you do have a nice steady growth stream. Um, and it's just, it, it's not such a wild ride. And so Nashville's yeah. home, Nashville provided lots of opportunities from a healthcare perspective, and it wasn't so feast and famine. Um, you know, as far as also, you know, from a healthcare perspective, it's really, I'm sure there's some differences, but for the most part, I think it's way more complex and challenging than a typical residential building or a typical, you know, warehouse or something of that nature. So I, that complex drive, drove me, challenged me and, and interest me. And I think the last part is to work in an industry where at the end of the day, you can, you can, you can really say, okay, I, I actually am making a difference. Like I'm improving someone's, I'm, I'm improving a patient's care and well-being. And so that's kind of nice. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just building a, a again, a warehouse or a house or, and all those things obviously are, are great, but right. healthcare just has a, a different feel to it. No, it definitely does. And it, and the, the things you mentioned all kind of combine, you know, your home, the, the fact that that's the pocket that you're in, in that geographic region. And then, like you said, it, it is something that really, really helps people and we need it. We're never going to not have a healthcare as an, as a nation that we need to focus on. So all three of those kind of make it really important for you, but I also think really important for an organization. And I know for Limbach, it definitely is uh, a high percentage of our work. So today we're talking about healthcare, but really within that space, because that's the context, we're talking about program management, which is a unique offering that we have as a company for our healthcare customers. It's one of our differentiators. But the big question is, what is it? What actually is program management? And how does this benefit? No, I need you to tell me. <laughs> I get, uh, especially internally, but there's always there, there always tends to be that question, what is program management? So I'm glad you asked. And I will say there, there's not a, a lot of major differences between what you would typically hear from what a program manager would do versus what a project manager would do. Okay. I think the, the industry and so many industries, you can name everything from, you know, computer science to, to, you know, architecture, to 
uh, a business and accounting, there's always some project manager, right? You are managing a specific project, whether it's building a spreadsheet or building a hospital. So, and even within our industry, Limbach, we have project managers that manage our specific trade, the HVAC, plumbing, you know, the specialty contractor trade. The general contractor will have a project manager that manages all of our project managers and, and, and all of the other project managers from the other trades. Then you have, you know, a, a, even an architect, even architects often have a, you know, they might call them a CA or something else, but for a large degree, they are managing a specific project. So a program manager does the exact same thing, but on a, you know, for, to use an airline reference, a 30,000 foot view okay. in lieu of the more granular view that, that individual project managers inside certain trades like Limbach or like a general contractor, you know, it, it, you're looking at a holistic approach to the project and you are managing a holistic approach to the project. Okay. Everything from the, 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 the overall financing. And I love to use the term overall because the, again, the project management for our individual company is managing the finances for the contract that we were giving for a certain scope of work. Mm-hmm. And, and then the project manager for the GC manages over, oversees all of the different project managers for all the different trades. And then I would oversee that project manager from the GC. I would oversee the project manager from the architect's perspective. And, and the best way to describe it is we are, we are acting as the owner, um, often in their behalf as their advisor and can make decisions depending on what that owner is comfortable with we have the ability to make decisions for that owner as their proxy. And so we are in fact the owner or the owner's rep on all aspects from equipment to furniture, to design, to sometimes financing, to contracting, to scheduling. So we look at all of it, but we don't look at it we don't dive into the minutia so much as we, we, we keep uh, a much, a 30,000 foot view approach and keep the project on, on its wheels. But, but from, er- from all standpoints, the best, thing, the best thing a program manager or an owner's rep, even if they work internally, that they can do for a project is provide timely direction because you have someone at a granular level, a superintendent, a foreman that sees a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this pipe in, you know, interferes or intersects with a beam or a column or another piece of ductwork or another, another trades. So now you've got a conflict, you've got an issue, it needs to be resolved. They probably have the answer and they, they probably feel like they could do it right then but it's got to go through a chain of events. They've got to tell their PM, the PM has yeah. to tell the GC, the GC has to get permission from the architect and engineer. And then ultimately the architect and engineer and GC have to get approval from the owner. So the, that takes a process to get to. So one of the best things that we can do is be, is be timely in our response and not 
put off those types of, you know, those questions. Um, and so that's kind of part of what we do is just keep, is provide answers, keep, keep the, keep the train moving. Right. So, you know, that's a large part uh, of, you know, of what we do. I hope that's, you know, uh, a good snapshot of kind of what program management is. That does help because in my mind, and correct me if I'm wrong in the summary, but if all goes according to how it's planned to go, you're making the owner's life easier, but you're also making the GC and the specialty contractors and the architect and the engineer's life easier. It should all work so that you take on that, uh, not, not burden, if you will, but the whole program. <laughs> You're keeping everything going smooth. I'm glad you just said that, too, because I actually probably missed that piece. So another reason why it's often referred to as program management mm-hmm. is because often the program manager will manage other aspects of an owner or a client's business, okay. meaning... They won't just manage one project. They may manage multiple projects. Hmm. Um, And so that's where the program name comes into play because a client may have, again, this doesn't happen in all cases. It really depends on the client you're dealing with, their level of expertise in design and construction, their level of internal people do they have do they already have a set of people are you are you helping augment them or do they you know do they what are they building are they building multiple sites are they building one site so that the term program often comes in because you are helping their entire initiative their entire building initiative Um, and we do that with some clients we are doing the fact where we are working on multiple projects not just a singular project and that's where often the term program management comes into play. Yeah. So there's a real strategic input that you have on the whole business. You're embedded with the owner. Well, we certainly, I mean, we feel like we, we provide a lot of value Mm -hmm. if that's, that's what the owner wants. And we can be very flexible on how intrusive, how embedded we Mm -hmm. are with their program. And do they just need us for one? Do they need us for, do they need all our guidance? You know, what value prop can we add? So we, we explore that with the owner and we try to fill in the gaps where they need us and say, stay in our lane, so to speak. So. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And now I'm, oh man, I have so many questions, but I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to take it slow here. (laughs) So I think this is a good opportunity. Let's just take a break from from program versus project and the value and the benefits. We'll come back to that because there's more there, I know. But this is a great moment to pause from these definitions now that we have a foundation. Now, part of this episode is about getting to know you a bit more as the genius behind program management at Limbach. So I have a way to do that. I never heard the term genius. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure that my, any of my friends would agree. I don't well, know if that's correct, but thank you. This is a safe space right here. All right. So <laughs> we're going to, we're going to play a quick game called the situation room. And have you ever seen Jurassic park? I think I saw the first one. I, I'm, st- I'm surprised I had five or six of those movies. The, there's arguably too many, but <laughs> that's all right. Um, so listen, here's the situation. 
Now, I'm just curious. This really has nothing to do with what we're talking about, although I will find a way to connect the dots here. Uh, but this helps us get to know you a little bit more. Dr. Ian Malcolm, he's from Jurassic Park. He just called you, okay? And he said that there's one more spot to go visit Jurassic Park if you want it. Plus, he's offered you to pick out one baby dinosaur to keep with you as your take-home gift. So here's the question. Do you go? And if you go, what dino do you bring back? Okay, first of all, I unequivocally go. I mean, that doesn't even, it doesn't. Really? The synapses don't even have to fire for me to actually answer that question. So let's wow. go back again. Let's go back to again to 1991. Did someone, I'm, I'm almost curious if someone put you up to this. So no, no I one often, did. No one did. I've often made a bet with people that I meet um, to ask them. I always ask the question and I used to, I used to say, I'll bet you a hundred dollars. Yeah. If you, if you can guess what I went to college for. So, so this is a true story. So ever since I was probably like 10 years old, uh, watching Sesame street, mm -hmm. uh, I learned of a, uh, a science role in th that was called paleontology. Yeah. And as early as 10 years old, I told my parents that I was going to be a paleontologist. No way. <laughs> which is the study of ancient life forms, particularly most predominantly known as, you know, a dinosaur guy that digs up dinosaur bones, right? That is, that was what I wanted to do as early as I can recall. What are the odds uh, of this? Oh my goodness. Yes. So I went to Auburn, I met with the Dean and um, <laughs> I would say he talked me out of it, but he took, he took the 10 year old boy and explained it and said, Okay, this is what paleontology really entails. You're going to be spending, you know, 300 days out in the middle of nowhere, you know, and, you know, digging up dinosaur bones and you're never really going to make it. You're, you're not going to get rich unless you find some major, you know, uh, find that that the uh, museums want to hire. So I was like, we're devastated. Like, well, you know, your dreams. That's right. And so I, wow. I went back. I went back to my parents and, and said, like, what am I like, what am I going to do now? Like, and so, and again, thankfully they worked for a company that was doing construction, partic particularly for healthcare. So it's almost like a healthcare, almost like a family <laughs> business for me, but to answer, that was a very long winded way of saying. No, no, that's so, great background. <laughs> yeah. So um, you wanted to learn more about me. Now you do. So yeah. Now, I, now we um, know. So what dino oh, would you bring back? I, I'll get to that, but only one person, uh, only one person has ever guessed that. And I, and I always made a bet, like I would bet someone. And it was the daughter of one of my friends. And I remember sitting in a bar and, and, and I said, I asked her, I said, I'll give you, I, I said, I'll give you five or 10 guesses. She guessed it on the first guess. She said, paleontology. And my mouth dropped open. I was like, <laughs> I didn't have the hundred dollars on me because no one's ever come close to winning it. And I was like, how did you guess that? And it just turns out that her favorite TV show is friends and her favorite show is it, her favorite character was Ross Geller. Ross Geller was a paleontologist. Oh, okay. That's why I threw it out there. And I ran out of the bar, went to an ATM, got a hundred dollars, smacked it down <laughs> the table. Said, Congratulations. No one's ever been able to guess that. Oh so, my gosh. So my favorite, um, my favorite uh, 
dinosaur would definitely be a triceratops. Uh, I had this vision of the, I, again, I don't remember where I saw it, but there was a scene of a Tyrannosaurus Rex and a Triceratops fighting, and the three-horned Triceratops was just sturdy and tough and taking on the bigger animal, and I, it seemed like the underdog, and so that's my favorite one. Oh, my gosh. I, this is by far one of the best answers to one of these games or questions that I've yeah. asked because like almost to the point I feel like yeah like I said it feels like it's staged but it really it really, it, it really I promise to all our listeners out there this was not staged this is just a, an incredible coincidence <laughs> <laughs> I I I feel like I do know you a lot better now Jody yeah. <laughs> and now and yeah. it's good to know that we're about to have a uh, some triceratops running around Nashville <laughs> watch out yeah. <laughs> Oh man, thanks for playing along. Um, here, here's the tough part of my job. I have to transition us back to some of these more detailed questions, but I think your answer actually does help unpack who you are and some of the creativity that it takes to implement and manage um, working with owners in, in the healthcare environment. So you've mentioned that more often than not, a facility manager at a community or Regional-based healthcare system is wearing three hats, I believe it is. Design and construction is one, real estate is another, and then compliance and infrastructure might be the third. And and so therefore, this this individual can often be stretched pretty thin. How do we, can you go into a little more detail of how do we help these folks? Yeah, Uh, listen, I'm sure any any facility manager that happens to be that we're lucky enough to, for them to be listening to this right now, I, I guarantee you they're probably saying three hats, try like 10. <laughs> right, going, it's an understatement. What about, EV, what about EVS? What about safety? What about, you know, they are doing, they are asked to do, and I, not just facility managers, but really any, uh, any, worker, a healthcare worker in the, in a rural health setting is just, is stretched incredibly thin, but, but obviously our dealing, we deal with a good majority of facility managers, director of plant operations, you know, uh, director of maintenance. There, there's a lot, they, they have a couple of different monikers, but they all basically do the same thing. But yeah, they are, they are stretched incredibly thin. I mean, um, yeah. So what we can provide for them. And so internally, I've kind of shared some stuff with our folks on what, how these, org, how these organizations work. So you have, you have the larger system and let's call them corporate entities that have 10, 20, 40, 50, 100, you know, hospitals in different markets across the US and they have a corporate body. It's kind of as a resource to lean on. Um, and, and we're working with those clients because they have, let's say they have a hundred hospitals, let's say they have 50 hospitals. Yeah. And so from a corporate standpoint, if they are fortunate enough to have capital and to, to put that capital in back into their buildings, then you know that's a lot of projects that are and 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 you don't have the ability to you just can't put cap enough into those buildings but if you've got multiple projects going on 
from a design and construction standpoint, or you've got multiple projects from an infrastructure standpoint, you've got multiple, again, if you've got 50 hospitals or more, then from a joint commission and environment of care uh, compliance standpoint, you, you've got a three-year um, survey window. So uh, those are rotating regularly. And so a lot of those corporate entities are doing site visits to the hospitals, making sure that they are getting ready for their next compliance survey from joint commission. And um, so, they, so they're very busy. So what we do for them, as I alluded to earlier, is a staff augmentation model where they might have one to two to five to 10 people internally that help do that for them. And we, we bridge the gap on either one specific project or we, we bridge the gap on one specific initiative. Like, Hey, go out and help us do assessments or help us go out and do commissioning, retro commissioning, or, or like they said, may help us manage. We've got a big project in, remote Montana, or that's just, that's a challenge for our folks to get to regularly. We've got enough work here locally that keep them busy. Can you, can you keep that project, you know, on the rails for us? So mm, okay. that's how we would help a kind of a system hospital, but your question was really more defined to rural. And so off, more often than not, that is a, a singular campus in a, okay. And it could be, I mean, rural defines I, some of the most rural places I've been. I've been right outside of large metropolitan areas like New York, um, Dallas. You know, they it, you don't have to go far uh, before you know before it gets rural. And and the opportunities, the cities are are are, are like black holes. They have such gravity that they pull all the. The, the expertise and the labor, it's pulling those people away from the rural communities and making it so much harder to find good resources yeah. there locally that want to stay from a rural perspective. So what we, as we joked when we first started talking about all the hats that those people wear, is if there is a major initiative, again, if, and a lot of these rural facilities get um, uh, like, they might have access to USDA funding for projects. So when that project comes along, the CEO, the C-suite, the CFO people often look to their, their director of plant operations or the facilities managers to help direct, manage, and run those projects. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are more than capable of doing it. But you that is really... That's not the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, that's the bricks that broke the camel's back. Oh, that's a, it's a heavy, it's a heavy undertaking, yeah. and again, a lot of them are capable of doing it, but doing it in concert with all of the other aspects that they have is just it's just a lot to a lot to bear. So oh, yeah. we really can help. We can help, and, and not only that, but. If they haven't done a mate, and a lot of these rural hospitals don't do, they do a major project every, I'd like to say five years, but I'm, I'm going to say closer to 10 years. I mean, they, they just don't have access to major projects. When I say major, I mean a major expansion, a vertical mm-hmm. expansion, a, an addition, 
a replacement, anything of that nature, um, you know, those are far and few between. So when they actually have those opportunities, we can, we've run that. This is what we do. I mean, we've run those traps a thousand times. And if we can help them miss a major landmine, that's going to end up causing them so much headaches and heartbreak uh, on the back end. I feel like that's where we really can be a value prop for them. Um, And, and, and I say that specifically, you know, that is my background. I mean, community Mm -hmm. health systems, rural-based community hospitals, quorum health, rural-based community hospitals. So I've lived in that arena for almost 20 years. So I I know, I know their challenges. I know their, um, I I know their perspective on things. And so I, I feel like we're very positioned, um, and obviously, I'm going to be passionate about it when we when we have those opportunities to, to work with them. Oh my goodness, yeah, that's such value there externally, and because of your background, and because of what I think, also because of the opportunities and the drive that Limbach has to care about not only our employees but our customers. And so, if this is a way that we can care and be innovative, which are two of our core values, then why not use those and to help people? Um, excel at their in their roles whether that's internal or external so we did we just talked about external but what about internal what are what are some ways others internally could get involved if they're interested in learning more from you about this offering or or how can we how can you partner with our salespeople in particular yeah i i really i want to be more involved with our salespeople, and i think originally that was absolutely the intent um, I guess it's a double-edged sword, right? So the, the more, the more successful that we've been in our, in this service line from program management, the less bandwidth I did actually had to even assist our local branches. Yeah. Themselves. I mean, I, I think initially that was really one of my biggest goals and takeaways, but you know, we've had tremendous amount of success this first year. Um, and we're looking to, to grow our group. Um, and as we grow that group, I think that will help me get, you know, kind of continue to dialogue more with our sales groups. But to answer your question specifically, um, you know, how there's, it's, I've said it's what I do and what they do is absolutely a symbiotic relationship. Yes. Because what my approach and the the relationships that we've established from a program management standpoint is really more of a top-down approach. So we are communicating, marketing, relationship building with corporate directors over systems that feed down to the individual hospitals. Well, you know, with our number of branch offices and in, in all across the or Eastern, this, the East part of the Mississippi, we have the ability to have personal relationships with so many local facilities, their, their maintenance staff, the facility management, uh, people that I just referred to earlier, you know, 
our branches have, a, a, in often cases, a very good relationship with those folks. Yeah. So they have, a, you know, a, a, a bottom up approach to how we can connect. So this is how it all ties together. So from a systematic uh, symbiotic relationship, when we're working in a health system and we hear of initi initiatives within, um, within that organization, you know, hey, Limbach, we wanna do, we have an energy uh, initiative. We have a, a retro commissioning initiative, design build initiative, we, whatever, whatever, we wanna place a bunch of chillers. We wanna place a bunch of air handlers. We wanna, we wanna do, um, you know, one line diagrams, whatever it may be. Um, I can then, I find out, well, where, where's the overlay of their hospital system and how does that align with our locations? And so I can quickly say, well, did you know that yeah, we can cover 40% wow. of your, your hospital systems based on our own branch offices? And so that is how I'm trying to drive uh, opportunities to the local branches from a top-down approach. The symbiotic relationship that I was talking about in, in reciprocity that I was hoping that can happen here is we've got individual salespeople that, again, know our facility, know the local folks. And so as they're communicating with local folks, they might hear of project initiatives, right? So they're, they're doing service on a machine or a unit, um, or they're calling on them to do uh, any myriad of opportunities or, you know, infrastructure things that we do from a branch perspective, they might catch wind of a large project that they want to build. And so those are things that they can share with me. So, Hey, you know, or, or tell them, did you know that Limbach has a program management service? Did you know that we have our own individual that worked on the owner side for 20 years that can help do that project for you, or at least give you a price to help you? So they can bring opportunities to me from the ground up. I can bring opportunities from them from the top down. And it really, that's how I envision it, envision it working. And that's how I, you know, that, I think that's where it'll get its most, its most traction. When you, when you're talking about this, I'm envisioning a infinity loop almost where you're pouring in from you and your team and the branch, uh, project and sales teams are pouring in and it's just this constant flow of how can we serve and help our customers? And it's, it's nonstop. I mean, that's the goal, right? Absolutely. I, I when I came to work for Limbach, I asked myself the question because I knew it would get thrown back at us or at me particularly mm -hmm. is why would I hire a specialty contractor to manage a project? Right. Mm -hmm. Why would I do that? That's what an owner would say to me. And I thought that's a, that's a really strong question. And I gave it a lot of thought. And, and then I thought, well, well I'll, I'll throw it back. And the question is, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Because you just, you just kind of eloquently described what has always been in my head and why I ultimately decided to make the move to Limbaugh because of that, that infinity loop that you just described. No other program manager that I can think of, and maybe there's exceptions out there, but I, I, I think we're the exception, not the rule. And I think this is a value add, a value prop that we present. That if we run a major project for a, a company, 
we have internal resources from from a from an engineering engineering perspective. We've got what forty plus forty to fifty plus licensed design engineers that can help peer review projects. And so, you know, from from an early on perspective, and I can't think of many program managers that have that. We have internal QA, QC folks that spend every day looking and walking projects from, from, from an MEP focus. So I'm, you know, if you're listening at home, I'm putting my, I'm putting my blinders on. And when I walk a job, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at a lot of different things, but when they, when they walk the job, they're looking and focused at, is that BAB connected properly? You know, Mm. are the the sweat joints properly done? So they're looking at it from a true QAQC um, mechanical plumbing perspective. And we can, that's something we can offer our projects that our competitors can't from a third party perspective. Um, and it, again, that's another value prop because if you think about it, 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 and I'm sure the mechanical guys love to say this, they don't love it because it comes back to them, but you know, uh, mechanical plumbing probably uh, equates to let's say 30 to 40% of a total project cost, but probably 90% of the, the headaches. So if we can, as the OPM, as a program manager, if we can provide that QAQC service where our folks are bird dogging and, and, and checking the project from a milestone perspective, it may be rough in or some, or maybe some mm-hmm. other interval project, another set of eyes to help make sure that the project gets done correctly. That's something that other OPMs just can't provide. And yeah. then lastly, you know, back to cost. Like if, if a, if I'm managing a project and a contractor sends me a, a change order for $100,000, of which a major part of the cost is from a mechanical plumbing subcontractor, I, we have internal pre-construction folks that have the ability to, to really look at that, you know, look at that cost and kind of dig through it and go, well, you know, looks like they're, they're adding some fluff here. You know, we, we don't feel like that's, that's realistic. And so again, I cannot think of another OPM that has the kinds of resources internally that we have um, from a project approach. So again, why would you hire, why would you hire a mechanical guy to, to manage your project? Well, again, why wouldn't you? So when you have, when we have, when you combine the experience of what we've got from managing projects from the owner's perspective for 20 years, and then you add in a hundred years of uh, back-end experience from what mechanical plumbing and engineering services at Limbach has, it's really, it's a really strong offering. Yeah. And it reminds me of what you said at the very beginning, that program management is that 30,000 feet viewpoint. The, the specialty contractor perspective could be us standing on the ground. And so when those two things meet, when we have the 30,000 view and we have the ground level view, we can come at this project or program or facility, whatever it is, from both ends and from the inside out. So it's actually the full picture that we could offer. And I think that's that truly is a differentiator. Absolutely. 
So Jody, we are out of time, unfortunately. There's so much more we could cover here, but thank you so much. This has been enlightening on a lot of fronts. Like I said, we pride ourselves as a company on being innovative and being caring about our customers and employees. And I think this is one of those services that that does both. So I appreciate your time. Sure. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. See, the paleontology hook wasn't too far off base, eh? But beyond Triceratops, I hope you have better begun to understand the value of program management for both our customers and employees. It's one of those differentiators that is more than just a buzzword. It actually does some good for everyone involved. So reach out to Jody and his team for more information via our website or jody.riley at limbachinc.com. Catch you next time on Limbach Unlocked. Unlocked.